Back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for our third anniversary Yop on April 11th, 2016, featuring poet V. Penelope Pelazon leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street near the FG stop. For more information about the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Jessica Powers, Athena Papas, Arthur Russell, Chris Roberts, Abby Conklin, Medea Perez, Candy Wolf, Star Davis, Richard Fine, Damian Tillman, Connor Crawford, Rachel Tyman, Judy Schneier, Ricardo Hernandez, Julie Hart, Robert Gibbons, Alan Braverman, Will Funk, Richard Loeb, and Philip Eggers. And since it's still National Poetry Month, I'm excited to get right down to it. Let's have a listen to the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. This is an amazing crowd. Thank you for coming for National Poetry Month. I don't know if you actually care about that. It's like, like we talk about, we care about it. This is like the left side of the room is like far less polite than the right side of the room, which probably means they're, they're fun to hang out with. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for simmering down. Uh, it's an amazing crowd. It's packed. We're trying to get some extra chairs in here uh, once I'm finished talking. If you haven't been here before, you get three minutes on the mic. Please do not go over. You see how many people are in the room. We have over 50 people signed up. You can only get through about 20, uh, which you should know now. If you don't know it already, you get three minutes. Don't go over. Uh, people will boo you if you do. Uh, and that's, that will be a first. That's never happened here. So it's a usually really supportive crowd. Uh, don't be the first to be booed. Uh, if you want a live tweet or something, it's the hashtag Brooklyn Poets Yop. If you want to take an Instagram picture, same hashtag. Uh, we are recording for the Yopcast, which is a podcast called a Yopcast, which Arthur likes. We've established from last year. Uh, if you don't want to be in the recording, you need to let me know, and I will strike you from the recording when I put it together. It's not difficult to just take you out. It's amazing how easy it is to remove a poet from everyone's life. Right. Uh, but if you don't say anything, we'll take it as your tacit permission that you are okay with it and uh, gets promoted to all social media so you you know a lot of people will hear you. So it's a good way to get exposure if you are interested in that. I mean, why would a poet be interested in exposure? I have no idea. Um, is there anything else? Uh, I think that's about it. Um, so, oh right, we also vote for Poem of the Month. Every month, our winner from last month, Connor Crawford, is in the room. He's looking very 
just like very calm in the back. It's like I got this. I won last time. <laughs> uh, so it's by audience vote. Uh, are you ready for my phone number again? I'm getting lots of random text messages these days, by the way. I don't know if you are, but uh, I am getting those messages. Um, so the, this is the number you text to. You can just tell me the name of the poet or the name of the poem. It usually helps if, if you have really the name of the poet is the easiest thing. Uh, 718, that's easy to remember. 374-1953, right? 718-374-1953, I will repeat that a few more times. Uh, I preferably text me at the end of the mic so I don't get like dings the whole night on my phone because we are recording again. Uh, and I'm not sure if I mute, does anyone know this? If I mute the computer, does that affect the recording? That's what I thought, but I haven't tested it yet. Anyway, don't text me. Until we're done. Okay, so maybe make a mental note or put it on your phone, like who you want to vote for. Also, you should hear everyone. Don't be like, oh, that second poet was awesome. Maybe the third poet is better. You have no idea. Maybe the fifth poet is Dante, and then you're like, shit. He could rise again tonight. Uh, okay, so without further ado, our professor for tonight is our first open mic reader. Give it up for me, Penelope Pelazon. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Alright, so I'm going to um, read actually two George Herbert poems because I'm here tonight advertising the fabulousness of 17th century devotional poetry. And um, I'm teaching a reading class on this in May, so if any of you would like to come and read more of the fabulous um, devotional poetry filled with amazing figures, forms, rhetorical devices of George Herbert, I urge you to do that. But I just want to share two poems that I love. One of the things about Herbert's poems that I, that I love is that um, he is a devotional poet. He is often representing his relationship with, with the deity, which for him is a Christian god. Um, but he does these very bold things, like he will imagine um, God's speaking in direct speak, speech, or he will do things like he'll imagine God being a bit devious. So I just wanted to read two short poems in which um, we see that. This is a very famous poem called Love Three. It's a dialogue between um, God and the soul. Love bade me welcome, but my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. The quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here, Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful. Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let me shame, let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. It's a really carnal, fleshly poem. It's a beautifully physical poem in this imagination of sharing a meal with the deity. Um, I'm going to read just one more. Um, this is a poem called Pulley. This is one of my favorites. This is one where, again, we get um, Herbert imagining the thinking of God, and God is a little bit crafty that is, I think, very unusual for a Christian representation. The pulley. 
When God had first made man, having a glass of blessing standing by, let us, said he, pour on him all we can. Let the world's riches, which dispersed lie, attract into a span. So strength first made a way, then beauty flowed, then wisdom, honor, pleasure. When almost all was out, God made a stay, perceiving that alone of all his treasure, rest in the bottom lay. For if I should, said he, bestow this jewel also on my creature, he would adore his gifts instead of me, and rest in nature, not the God of nature, so both should losers be. Yet let him keep the rest, but keep them with repining restlessness. Let him be rich and weary, that at least if goodness lead him not, yet weariness may toss him to my breast. George Herbert. about you, but I want to read some Herbert. say that so well. I know. Uh, those 17th century poets were sexy poets. This, this is what everyone forgets. They're like, oh, they were dead white guys, but they had sex sometimes. So you wrote about it very well. Uh, our first reader tonight is apparently from Cleveland and knows my little sister, so that's exciting. Give it up for, this is a true story, give it up for Jessica Powers. Not so good. 
She was wearing dark jeans, and her black hoodie smelled like camels as I got closer. She had a pack of smokes and pinks <coughs> in her back pocket. Back then, self-flushing toilets were so cool, and knowing our social security numbers was very mature. <laughs> I got out of my Buick alone on a dark street void of trees. No newspaper and plastic wrap, no wrappings, no shade, and I walked inside the bar towards her greasy, bleached out hair and strong hands and back pocket and saw her smile and touch a shoulder, touch a waist. And Ida's eyes rolled back behind thick glasses and she roared about apricots. She was so loud about apricots, groaning, searching for apricots. She just kept saying the word apricots. I wanted them too. Thank you. Uh, people that know my little sister are good poets, apparently. <laughs> Myself and Jessica. <laughs> Me, the foremost of them. Is Nicole Courtney here? <laughs> okay, give it up for our next poet, and then I'm going to turn on the AC, so you're going to have to clear out in the back a little bit. Athena Pappas. So what happens if you win Poem of the Night is uh, you then get to participate in the uh, Poem of the Year contest at the end of the year, which is in December. Uh, and that's where you bring home all the glory. Uh, all the boxes of condoms are yours. <laughs> <laughs> you win that 
So give it up for Arthur Russell. Jean-Fee. 
don't know if y'all caught that in French. That's what a Palm of the Year winner does. <laughs> Sprinkle in a little French, and then the crowd goes wild. Next up is a very talented man. Give it up for Chris Roberts. is called not being there. She asked if I would help her paint a room, and I said yes. But then the day arrived, and I stayed home, worried about the air, the streets, if I'd look normal with each step, through awkward silence on the train, her voices overlapping, hearing my name. I stayed in bed and heard her texts rack up. I wished that I were drunk, fucked up, or dead, since then I'd have an explanation why I stood her up. I wondered why myself saw constellations in the stucco ceiling and watched those figures morph like shifting clouds. I dialed her, but short of breath, I stopped. My lungs were thirsty, then about to pop. Her nearly dialed number lingered, then I exited out. What could I say? I'm sorry, I was scared of things I can't explain. She might have understood. She might have not. Our friendship wasn't built on sex or bread or tit for tat or comic books or love. I couldn't name her favorite song or show. I had her birthday written down somewhere. We used to talk about our goals in life, to make a classic film, to rule the world, but that was years ago, before the world had broken us and rubbed our noses in how difficult it was to even be that mediocre quasi-famous artist that we'd make fun of all the time back then. <laughs> I tried to call her, got 10 digits in, the trouble that I had with pressing send. Then she called me, a blessing in disguise, and I was overjoyed from guilt, not guys. She didn't ask me why I'd stood her up, but said, this conversation is about you, Chris. How are you, Chris? Have you been well? And promptly she proceeded to complain about how little progress she had made, selecting paints, carting them back, and moving all her furniture out just enough so that she'd have the space to paint the walls, of which she'd finished two all by herself. And she apologized for needing help, for asking me what it was hers to do. That choked me up. The silence on the line built up until my chance to volunteer had passed. I didn't want to promise her and then end up too scared to move again. And she spoke up. It's really not your fault. A few months later, I freaked out so bad I went to see my first psychiatrist and she prescribed me way too many things or so I thought. I'm thinking I should call that thread who I let down, but what is there to say and how can I begin that call? Damn good, my friend. Uh, a word about poem of the month. If you've already won in the year, you can't win again. So I should tell you that Chris has won already. In case you liked that one, doesn't mean you should tell him you liked it. Connor has also won. So, in other words, don't waste your votes on these motherfuckers. Vote for a new person. Uh, Last one. It's been three months. Del Lemon. Del Lemon, yes. For her suicide poem. Thank you for reminding us of the tragedy. Uh, so, those three, those three poets. I was going to say suicide and comments, but that just seems wrong. So, let's move on. Our next poet, very talented poet, one of my former students in uh, our workshop last fall. I can't remember the name of it. 
Dear Readers, that workshop I taught. Give it up for Abby Conklin. It's a, basically a social network we built for you all uh, to share your work and find mentors. If you don't want to take a workshop, you can find people like Penelope who just joined the bridge and uh, contact them for critiques. There's a lot of people in the room on the bridge. Every day we feature a poem of the day, so be famous to all your Facebook friends at least, and their friends, and my friends probably. That's a lot of people actually. Thousands of people are my friends on Facebook. So that makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> and you all know my little sister, too. That's not a bad. <laughs> Let's forget about that part. Uh, next up is, I believe, maybe a debut yelper. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maria Perez. Give it up for Maria. the tapes on the hands, the jerk of the accelerator, 
the rifling through our things. Suddenly, this is your card, says poet, playwright. I lean forward answering, yes, I'm a writer. The guard continued, poet, huh? I studied some poetry with the priest in school. Tell me about poetry. Don't know how I could think my mind rewinding to that course I gave on Spanish poetry. I could hear myself speak of the sonnet, the meter, the sweet sounds coming from Italy, of that great warrior poet Garcilaso and his impossible love for Elisa. I even remembered Padre Neruda's odes to old socks, to a tomato, to a cat. The guard must have been shaking his head as he called out, Hell, that's a real poet seeing the beauty in the ordinary. That's when I heard the water gushing on the rocks. We were at the river. There was a shouted command. The driver ordered us out, the guard too. The jeep rushed off. The guard barked at us. When you hear me pissing, run to the water. There's a bridge, stay under it. You don't want to be here when the replacement arrives. Oh, thanks about the poetry. I learned a lot. Maria, it's fantastic. Next up is a name that sounds like it should be in a children's book, I think. Give it up for Candy Wolf. <laughs> Brooklyn poets, and it's three years, right? Yeah, three well, years. Oh. Uh -huh. oh. well, it's great to be here, and I'm so happy to know about all of you. This one's called Embrace. I walked to the other side of the room where he suddenly hugged me. He's never been an impulsive man, so this. I feel the strength of his arms as he's holding on to me. Pulling me against him, tight as oxygen. His heart is beating very fast, while mine is doing the same. It brings me back to times in our marriage, when he was my groucho and I was his Audrey. I wish, but it can't. Our hug unfolds. I'm looking at the bed where his mother sleeps as her life is fading. This is closure. Thank you, Candy. I was trying to imagine Groucho and Audrey together. <laughs> Bizarre relationship, <laughs> but maybe a great one. Um, next up is, I think, another Yop debuters will give 
this poet a big round of applause give it up for Star Davis. Balance makes me envious. 
I have to be the first off so I won't be shoved, but it happens anyway. I walk so fast I could have passed God in the central station and not have known it. The street tasted like cold breakfast. I forgot to be thankful to be above ground. I forgot to be thankful to be free. Damn, that was a New York poem. <laughs> I liked it. Nice work. Um, thank God I don't take the subway anymore because I commute to Connecticut, so I have to drive a car. If you ever want to ride, <laughs> that wasn't a serious offer. <laughs> Let me retract this. What am I talking about? Uh, next up is a classic Yop regular who has been here, I think, maybe also from the first one. Did you go to the first one? <laughs> the first one of these. It's like, maybe. But anyway, forget that. Give it up for Richard Fine. Breaking the sound barrier. She has been deaf since birth, while I have heard much too much strident noise. When I read or are about to talk, a voice first speaks in my mind. Then from my mouth comes overtones of that voice that make the whole world know that it's me speaking, except for her and all those who are likewise robbed of music. Even so, her mellifluous nature, <coughs> it, it, even so, her voice has a mellifluous nature a quality not expressed, quite expressed through sound alone. For the minutest gesture of her hands reveal her unique expression of sign language that are hers and hers alone. But my eyes are yet untrained to discern the subtle ballet of her agile fingers. I am blind to her accent as she is deaf to mine. Yet, we can bridge this barrier of sound through the harmony of our smiles, the resonance of our thoughts, and the softness of the touch. Beethoven and breathing. But tonight I left the radio on, and now I hear breathing, even when pausing my own Beethoven and breathing. Clearly no Beethoven lies between me, but the breathing is real, real and rhythmic, primal and soothing like the pastoral. Sometime in the night my son found his way to my side. Perhaps he woke in his shadowy room, frightened by some bad dream or worse, disillusioned by a good one. I hear my seven-year-old's heaving chest. Is he too old to be here? What does it matter? He's here. Maybe on some future cold sweat night, when he's fully grown and alone like me, awake in tune to Beethoven, he'll call for me. Ms. Life takes center stage. Ms. Life is a gum-chewing stripper, 
her favorite hunky-tonk act. She wears any costume you want, a bridal veil or a headdress of bananas. Just like plays all roles from shy schoolgirl to Mistress Wonder cracking her whip. But she peels it all off while voyeurs in raincoats like you swoon on broken down chairs when she lays bare all her secrets. Behold that sweaty G-string tossed around a customer's neck. Your neck, stupid. <laughs> the climax is a prancy, pimpling, sagging butt. Well, schmuck, what did you expect? A golden ass? If you don't like the show, leave. Go drop your shorts in the bathroom, gawk in the mirror, and moon yourself. And if you like the show, get the hell out anyway. One show per customer. And this show is over. Out of here. No refunds. There's a long ticket holder's line waiting outside. Just dying to get into these follies. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Well done. How about those Warriors? Uh, Warriors. Warriors. That shows how much I like that team. See, see, I'm from Cleveland, so fuck those guys. I hope they get their record and then lose to the Cavs. That would, that would really suck for the Golden State fans who are so spoiled. Talk about like the spoiled children of California. Like, oh, his team never loses. Guess what? They'll lose eventually. One day when you're old and suffering. And like the Clevelanders who have been losing their entire lives. Next poet up is our poem of the month winner from March. Give it up for Connor Crawford. Y'all, um, I wrote this around this time last year when I was still living in Louisiana. That's more or less where this takes place. It's called "May They Never Find Us." Be my singer cypress. Watch helpless while I hue a ring around your base, hacking you a necklace, bark ripped from sap. Cut off your supply routes for six months. Suck out your moisture your oil. Get buoyant for me. I'll wait. Already the market. Pitch you. Forget about you for the fall. Let the winter water tighten your rings. Sharpen my saws. Cross my mind at night. Influx from the cutover lake states. False brothers greedy for harvest. P-rogues capsized by unharmonious axe swings. Men drowned with the cottonmouths. Ignorant our waters, the lower alluvial valley, winds and board break, train, more pollen. Still paid and bullshit barzines spent at the inflated commissary, my barge hammock unprotected from the nightly bloodsuckers slowly delimbing in my sleep. I want to float you, the spring floods. When I fail you, you sink brackish. I long to forget you, but you are worth too much. Take off my boots and dive into the swamp. Pass by the gators with purpose. If I look up, I would see the sunshine green through the water, but I don't look up. It gets darker, cooler. I am blind. The bottom itself is gradual. I work to it and find you lost, submerged, and turned. Thanks.
Do we just? Oh, okay, we got it. One way to, I feel like, to win poem a month is to have that voice. Man, it's like hard to vote against that voice. So, so much gravity in that uh, poet's voice. Okay, next up we have, I, I believe, another debuter. She was so anxious that I got her message. She texted me. She's like, dude, respond. So I finally did. Give it up for Rachel Timon. And that's because it says in the email on the website that you're supposed to get back to me if I'm on. <laughs> Alright, um, well, congratulations on your anniversary and uh, thanks for this awesome book that you read. Um, this poem is called Camp. Even in his weariness, he exists. The once vibrant cornflower blue of his eyes now dimmed to a sullen sky. A crooked nose dividing him. Arched brows creasing the smooth of his skin where it meets his thinning hair. Cigarette smoldering in hand, he hunches, shuddering under the weight of his ragged jacket that once belonged to a dead man. Bent against the cruel wind, tearing across his exposed forehead as the sun slants across square white window panes, but is quickly eaten up by the snow and offers little comfort to a hardened heart anyway. Will I see the sun again tomorrow, he wonders? Another shot echoing on another bleak gray afternoon. Thank you, Rachel. Also very efficient. Well done. And well dressed, both of you. <laughs> this entire, this gentleman is like so sharp. There's these shoes, I've been trying not to look at them. Buy some shoes later, dude. Uh, next up is uh, one of our Yopper of the Years. Uh, so, Yoppers of the Year? That's the other award that we give out annually in December, not just to a, a really outstanding poet, but a poet who is uh, supportive of. First of all, you have to come all the time. That's for, like, a pre prerequisite for winning this award. But also, you are a, a very warm supporter of other poets because at Brooklyn Poets, we don't just support ourselves, we support other poets, which Wow, that's a revolutionary concept, isn't it? So give it up for our Yopper of the Year from two years ago, Ricardo Hernandez. Exposed our bruised, inked, and scarred skin as our vessels spoke of what our souls endured. We were okay with our bruises. Broken bones healed underneath. We were okay with our tattoos, its history written on a temple. We were okay with our scars, we welcomed memories of hurt. Mostly, we were okay with ourselves. Only fools curse life's lessons. Our fingers were miniature conductors, always teasing a concerto for coitus at every note. Voices from the void heard daily as where called out on our concerto of love, claiming it to be silly. 
called out on our motif of matrimony, claiming it to be fake. We're called out on our souls binding, claiming it's a mistake and was unfinished work at best. Set honestly, the way Mother Nature intended. Our bodies holding no lies, only speaking the truth that this is our love. This one's called Three Years of Yalpa. <laughs> Where's the significance in poetry? As we stare at the bottom of a glass where a blind bat's bath is purgatory. Is there some place local we can absorb? 61 souls clapping in compacted tapestry of beautiful disasters. Whose stanzas should we inhale? as we float our minds contemplating whether or not we'll become poets of heaven or hell. Are there sunset towers we could ascend, muting the social strangulation of politicking ideals with our friends? What conglomerate of educators teach cadence, line breaks, syllable counts and breaths to measure poetic verse in heart? Will poets seeking guidance, when poets seeking guidance find it, in the upper room, Dr. Koo provided, resurrecting Whitman, Auden, and Crane. Third year yapping, and these questions have been answered by showing face and taking notes among Brooklyn's finest poetic minds. This may not be your story, but it's mine. I've been here since day one, and I'll tell you, we never finish an open mic at nine. <laughs> Well timed, my friend. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's 9.05. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, our next poet is our 2015 Yopper of the Year. Get it for Julie Hart. flashes have stopped, but they haven't. I appear to need regular infusions of 
butterfat, foie gras, and fine wine as well. Hormonally or habit-driven? I don't know. <laughs> For my retirement party, we went to the Café Luxembourg on West 70th Street. That first glass of Prosecco at the bar went down like nectar. I slept a little bit during Schnitke, my head bobbing like a robin's when he digs for worms. I never wanted to teach high school. I couldn't both write and teach, maybe if I were younger, or hungrier, or both, but not now. High school is no place for crystalline intelligence, which is the only kind I can now plump for, having missed the boat on the fluid kind long ages ago. I was never amazingly quick, neither witted nor tongued, but please don't underestimate my understanding. But that's not what I wanted to tell you about. I do know how to behave toward people. I could care for them well. I just can't twist <coughs> my face into a mask of sympathy. I do care, I just look like I don't. What bothers me is that if I looked more sympathetic but did less, I'd be better appreciated. I mean it. But due to some deep-seated perversity masquerading as honesty, I can't do it. This doesn't feel too much like poetry, but there you go. A certain density, serendipity, the occasional internal rhyme, that's all I can manage. <laughs> Would it be improved by removing the lineation? I can't tell. <laughs> also, I resent every moment I have to devote to massaging my exterior so my eccentricity will not distract people from what I'm trying to say. But here I go again, distracting myself again from what I really wanted to talk about. That's all I have time for. Very nice. I've never heard so many like, inside poet jokes before. Uh, so congrats to all of you who got all of them. Very erudite crowd. Uh, so Julie and I met when I back when I was leading walking tours of Brooklyn Heights. Boy, does that seem like a long time ago. I was really hustling for for people <laughs> to do our stuff. Uh, this is also when I met Shun, our photographer for time. Give a hand to Shun. If you don't know Shun, he takes some very beautiful photos, not just Brooklyn, but New York City, everywhere. He's got like 80 million followers on Instagram, so he could be the next one. Um, he's been featured on Instagram. I mean, I'm pretty sure nobody else in here has been featured by Instagram itself, which is incredible. Uh, that's like being Kanye of Instagram. <laughs> or, or his wife. Okay, so we're on to the waitlist, and since we, as Ricky said, is our past nine already, I asked that everyone on the waitlist just read one poem, and perhaps your most efficient one. And I'm going to try to get through five more poets so we get through 20 poets for the night. Uh, so next up is our old friend, uh, hasn't been here in a while, but a very great poet. Give it up for Robert Gibbons. dedicated to my sister. She, we found a lump. Fresh clay rises, swollen belly of birth. This earth splits. This heat 
and the sun spits, it rains down mercy. And the delivery, it rains down mercy after the biopsy, it rains down insist after the cyst, after the shock, after the doctor said, we will follow up, but we will isolate it. We will violate this beautiful feminine. We will rape her bowels. We will chemo. We will procedure. We will procure her a test, a new chest her. It rains down mercy after the lump. The bump grows into a tumor. A bloom implodes her. Expose the thief. Expose the thief. Expose the thief. Breaking a lock. Opening her red box. Bleed her radiator. It moves her to ask questions. It's pushing her buttons. It's pushing her buttons. Her aggravating husband. Her aggravating husband. She loses energy suddenly. She calls on the surgeon. She calls on the surgeon and it's benign. It's but malignant is the trigger's breath to a suicide note. She calls it a mastectomy. Her fake bra claims legitimacy with her flimsy weight. Her flimsy weight, her aggravating husband, it pushes her buttons. It pushes her buttons. He, her arms feel like ovens. Her arms feel like ovens. She, she, it's a bludgeoning and the chemo. She, she's called bald and she does not call anymore. She turns eggplant purple, eggplant purple, her earth, her worth in diamonds. She's liable. She's liable for the water baptism. She found a lump when she spread like a table, the stable one, the capable one, the butcher of her mountain, her black gold, her stunning glory, her hair, her hair. She loses her hair. She stares into the future. Her arms tingle. 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 She falls from the ascension. She falls from the ascension. And we call on Buddha. We call on Buddha. We call on Buddha. We call on Buddha. Her arms tingle. Her arms tingle. And she falls. And she remains one woman at a time. Thank you. Yeah, man, it's nice to have you back. Missed you. We've all missed you. Um, next up, give it up for the great and brave Alan Braverman. Regarding this uh, great uh, venue, I, I didn't even know it existed. Thank you, Ricardo. Um, it's poetry month, and I hope that this poem is relevant. It's titled "Poetic Encounters." I place, uh, an, I'm sorry, an Iraqi encounter. I place my coat on a rack, hoping it's bulletproof, preventing another bag for Dad. A beer encounter. The bud seeks the light to warm the spirit as it blossoms along the branch of life. A sexual encounter, 
priests and nuns that vow a celibacy in a procreative world where a man can penetrate a woman without sin. An artistic encounter, Monet leaves an impression on Seurat as he points the way for Picasso. His blue period defines Pollock's descent into the expression of the sorry, of the abstract. A Darwinian encounter, the origin of the species, where evolution becomes revolution, a survival of the fittest, as our globe is warming and the deniers are swarming. A marital encounter, the bride and groom say, I do. And for whom the bell tolls, is it reduced to a ring, a wake-up call regarding a cheating husband who seeks a higher office? A Freudian encounter, I dream of Sigmund while Jung resting on a couch in a state of neuroses trying to psych out the therapist. <laughs> the celebrity encounter, the red carpet, a modern day version of the Arabian Nights transporting mortals to fame and fortune and no genie necessary to honor their wishes. A Yankee Stadium encounter, as a non-confederate in uniform arrives at the base with a wooden weapon to strike at an innocent ball with the hope of arriving home. A Shakespearean encounter. An isolated hamlet lives a merchant of Venice, fearful of a neighbor named Othello, who threats to shake a spear. An Edgar Allan Poe encounter. Annabelle Lee hears the raven knocking at her door. She escapes and is murdered in the room morgue, facing a premature burial. We're almost done. <laughs> a classroom encounter. Well, I'm a teacher. Um, was a teacher. The quest from metaphors in a school with standardized testing encased in a common core. A Martin Luther encounter. Martin Luther King encounter, I'm sorry. I have a dream that if young African American males are profiled or killed, may the police first examine the content of their character, then the color of their skin. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. We have three poets left. Next up, very cool name. Get up for Will Funk. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. This is called Inner String. I walk down the sidewalk and stare death in the eye. Every day is the same, and every day I want to fly, but I'm tethered. Weighed down by a backpack that's as light as a feather, and unshed tears. I never had a breakdown these past three years, but now I'm gasping for air, trying not to sink, pedaling and pushing a bicycle to a brink, filling out a resume for a job that won't matter if I don't even know what I'm chasing after. So I'm trying to find my inner strength, just to ride the subway, just to ride my bicycle, sit on my couch and not panic for a while, pick up those pieces I lost in that hospital in Sao Paulo, and from them create a scaffolding for a cathedral in my soul. Because I still have a long way to go, and a lot to learn. There's no antidote for panicking, though, and there isn't a cure. I have to become something I'll be in the future. If it existed, I wouldn't be writing this, so maybe I should stop. Because I'm trying to find my inner strength, like those widowed mothers, like the veterans with missing limbs and the homeless men who know what it feels like to deal with the physical pain and emotions of being neglected. But I'm going insane. In my brain, it's just mental. How most of my problems aren't even real. How my psychiatrist tells me it's just fear that I when I sit at my desk with trembling feet, when my heart skips a beat, dealing with pain and sorrow and knowing that, no, my heart won't be better tomorrow. 
until I wake up and accept that I'm just scared to death. So I'm trying to find my inner strength. Thank you. Well done, Mr. Funk. Uh, two poets left. The two poet warning. Next up, give it up for Richard Loeb. stirring desires, the point where I almost wish that I were the confident. I figured I could order the kit anyway, since it's free, but great conversation pieces sample items would be, waiting on my coffee table, for the to examine, require what are these, hastily returned from the fort in a cabinet. Catheters come into our poetry. Uh, we have one Sorry, poet left. Condoms. Yes. Look how far we Condoms go. and catheters. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be the theme of the third anniversary. <laughs> our last poet of the evening is Philip Eggers. Give it up for Philip. Thank you for sticking around. Um, this is My Muse is a Corpse. My muse is a corpse, and I am a carrion crow, starved for freshly rotting flesh. With every peck I puncture delicacy upon delicacy. A cold heart, my god. A bloated brain, yes, lord. Soulless eyes, please, god, yes, lord. I binge on her blood. I am compelled to consume. Obsession, my feasting friend. And I cannot stop. And I cannot stop. And I cannot stop. Her skin is sweet and stale. Her scent is toxic. I will not rest. I will stay with her slender skull, too fat to fly. Her death, my undoing. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Give more, one more round of applause to all of our leadership tonight. Thank you. 
Uh, a couple of announcements. One, we have a very big reading next Friday, April 22nd, the second summer of the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series. It's at St. Anne of the Holy Trinity Church, the historic church right on the corner of Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights. My former roommate, and also a poet, J. Scott Brownlee, will be reading along with Aracelis Germay, if you know her work. She's really one of the great poets in America right now. Her new book just came out, The Black Maria, and a very, very venerable poet, Martina Spada, who was born in Brooklyn, will be our headliner that evening. So Brownlee, Germay, and uh, Spada are reading You Don't Want to Miss. Doors open at 7 p.m. Reading price around 7.30. We'll have wine food for you. It'll be free. The whole thing is free. So next Friday in Brooklyn Heights. If you're interested in a guided reading class with Penelope Pelzon, George Herbert, check out the website or talk to her. Uh, I just want to thank a few people. First of all, let me thank Penelope for our workshop and uh, Josh Megan, who's also here, one of our faculty members. Some of you were taking his sonnet workshop. Very great professors. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, thanks to Pop Goodfellow, the voter intern, volunteering. The time for tonight. Give let's give let's give a round of applause. Apparently, the metro card. Somebody lost a metro card when signing in. Look in your wallet, everybody. Yes. If you are missing a metro card, you probably want that. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, the number in order to vote for poem of the night: seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Just text the poet. Or if you can remember the title, really the poet is best. Cast your vote. Our next job is in May. It'll be taught by Natalie Eilbert, who was one of our regular faculty members as well. Uh, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Three years of the job. We'll be downstairs having some drinks. Get a cupcake. Good night. There it is, the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for our third anniversary yop on April 11th, 2016. Been an amazing run for three years at 61 Local. Thanks, of course, to 61 Local for letting us use their upstairs space to host the Yop, without which there would be no Yop, as there is no way we could do this event in any other space. Congratulations to Robert Gibbons, our longtime friend who was present at the very first Yop in 2013 for winning Poem of the Month by audience vote for his poem about his sister. Robert has earned a place in our Poem of the Year Smackdown in December of this year and a free admission to a future YAWP. Again, for more information about the Brooklyn Poets YAWP, go to brooklynpoets.org second Monday of every month. Our next YAWP comes your way on Monday, May 9th featuring poet Natalie Eilbert leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic. We hope to see you there. Till then. <laughs>